0: Thank you. with me today I like you people that's right we want to say welcome my name is Brittany if you have never met me or my husband Josh we're the lead pastors here at Greenville first and we just want to say thanks for being here thanks for watching online if you're if you're tuning in from home that's incredible too we just want to say welcome and you have picked a fun day because we are kicking off a new series called not today Satan right. you hear that attitude right there we got I'm gonna need everybody to practice ready get your hips ready get your shoulders ready when I count to three, I'm going to hear it, okay? I'm going to see which side, right? One, two, three. Not today, Satan. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we're ready. We're ready. We don't even, even got to do that again. So here's the thing. A lot of times when you guys hear not today, Satan, I think it's, it's kind of a funny phrase, right, in our culture, you know, not today, Satan. It's kind of symbolizing, like, you're getting probably started off on, the, on a rocky start or something like that. Your day's going wrong, and you're like, uh-uh, we ain't having this. We ain't doing this today, Right? And so I started giggling a little bit when I was getting ready for this message. And any moms relate, maybe dads too, I'll give you some credit, okay? Like when you're you're trying to get out the door with the kids, you're probably already running late, but you don't want to confess to your spouse that you are already already running late. You get everybody loaded in the car, you get the 45,000 buckles on the car seat put together, and then one of the kids says, Mama, I got to go potty. And you're like, are you serious? Like, you couldn't have told me before I buckled the car seat? What? Not today, Satan. Like, your dad's going to kill me, bro. What are you doing? And, and, and like Friday, this is a true story. Friday, we're running errands, right? Just doing some things around town. We pull into Cabela's. Dear God. Do you guys know who's in Cabela, or In front of Cabela's right now? The little table with the girls. You little Girl Scout cookie table. Uh-huh. I pull in and I'm like, are you joking? Like, not today, Satan. Satan, get behind me. We bought four boxes. Yes, we did. It was a weak moment. It's okay, we're gonna preach about it today. We'll get strong together, right? What about that? When, you, when you leave? Maybe you leave the meeting with your boss or a family member. Don't raise your hand if that's you. If not today, Satan pops into your head. Like, don't tell nobody, okay? Just keeping it real right now. And I know I'm teasing and I'm joking, but all month long, we are gonna be tackling some, some universal struggles that I believe that from some time or another, we probably find ourselves in. And today, we're going to just dive head, like nosedive, right into the topic of discouragement. Discouragement. And I think at, at some point or another, we find ourselves in a season of discouragement, whether we caused it or not, usually, probably not. And we're just going to see today what the word says about this thing called discouragement. If you're taking notes, grab your pen, if you have your phone, I want to encourage you to download the Greenville First app. There, is cool, there are cool features on there. Yes, you can have dates. Yes, you can have reminders. But there's also a place where you can fill in the blanks as we go through, and you can stay engaged and go back and look at it later. Y'all ready? All right. Here we go. So like I said, I think that when we hop into discouragement, it's not exactly something that we choose to do. It's not exactly something that we always can control. Situations around us cause all things to happen. But, but I want to buckle in today, and I, I want to talk about two parts of it that I, I do think that we can control. The first is, I think that we can control how long we choose to stay there. And then I, I also think that we can control if we let it control us. If we let it take over our head and our heart and our life. And so I love the phrase, facts are our friends we are gonna face the facts we're gonna head on what are we working with today and we're gonna jump in this thing together what is discouragement why does this happen and what does God say about it here we go can you just bow your heads let's pray together before we hop into God's Word Jesus I just thank you so much I don't think that anybody listening today is doing that because of an accident or a coincidence I pray, God, that every word that is uttered today, God, would just go straight to our spirit, straight to our hearts. God, I pray that you would edify us, change us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, on this thing called discouragement. May we be empowered by you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So what is discouragement? Discouragement is this, to lose all courage, to have no try left. Maybe you found yourself in a season of discouragement, or maybe you've come out of one. Maybe if you have before, you know what I'm talking about. You've been on earth long enough to know you're gonna hit it at some point or another. We all do. Some symptoms of discouragement could be loss of confidence, hope, no passion, no enthusiasm of the things that used to get you pumped. It's gone, your life, your purpose. You don't even care anymore. Loss of inspiration, loss of motivation, things that used to get you going. They're just not working anymore. What about isolation? You find yourself wanting to stay alone, not really wanting to get connected anymore. You know, I think that sometimes we reach this point too with discouragement where you kind of have like a mental paralysis where everything is so overwhelming and going completely wrong and you cannot see that, you can't see out of the tunnel that you're not making this decision, that decision, like you're making no decision at all. And and you find yourself just kind of stuck. Your speech, your attitude, it, it turns whiny. It turns negative, like negative Nancy vibes. It's probably focused on you. Maybe you're kind of in that wallowing of self-pity. And here's the thing. It's not like one, one person's better or another. We all hit it. And that's why we're, we're talking about it, because I believe it's something that should be spoken about. I am sick and tired of us not talking about stuff that we're all going through. We gotta talk about it, okay? And I'm fully convinced that if Satan can get in your brain and get you discouraged, he could take over every area of your life. And I'm sick of it. So today, what are we saying? Not Not today, Satan, that's right. And when we leave here, I want us to be determined and not defeated, amen? So all right, head on truth number one. Get your pen, get your phone, get your whatever you got, and here we go. Discouragement dwells on the difficulties. But encouragement focuses on the promises of God. It dwells on the promises of God. You ever been in a situation that you just do not see your, your way out? Brett? you don't know me, I've gone too far. There is no way out. Satan wants us to see the difficulty through a magnifying glass. You ever heard of the phrase like mountain to, like molehill hill to mountain? He wants us to see everything in the mountain view when it comes to discouragement, because then we'll have no way out. There's these guys in the Old Testament, back in the book called Numbers. In a little Brittany summarizing translation for you, basically these guys called the Israelites. Pretty famous in the Bible. But in Exodus, you'll find them, huge thousands, 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 big group of people. They're all slaves in Egypt. And when I say slaves, like bad, miserable, discouraged, cruel bondage, worst life ever, okay? God speaks to this dude named Moses, and he says, "Hey." I want you to go get my people out of there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to free them, and I'm going to take them over here to this promised land called Canaan. So fast forward 430 years. Yes, people are complicated, okay? We, we reach the border of Canaan. Can you imagine this long journey of generations following this promise of God? And every time they mess up, God's good. And every time they mess up, he sees them through. And every time they mess up, he is faithful and they've reached this point. Can you imagine? It's like a bajillion times better than reaching the gate of Magic Kingdom, right? You've, you've been in the car with your kids for nine hours and you have finally made it to Cinderella's castle. It's way better than that, guys. They're looking at Canaan after a journey on foot for 400 years. And God says to Moses, hey, before you guys cross over, I want you to send some men in, do a little survey of the land, take a little audit. How are the trees? How's the fruit? How's the men? A lot of them strong, weak. How should we prep ourselves to go in? Is the city fortified? Is it large? How is the town? You get it. Go check it out. That was his assignment. And so he sends in 10 men. They go in for 40 days and they come back. Now imagine everybody's ready. Magic Kingdom, we're at the gate, right? We are ready and pumped. And eight of those men, eight out of ten, they begin to pour out a report of discouragement and despair. They They say things like, it does flow with milk and honey, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified. They're very large. And you can just imagine thousands of people, they're so excited and they begin to deflate. Because let me tell you something, discouragement is dangerous. It duplicates itself. And if you let Satan take over your mind and all you see is the difficulty in front of you, all you'll do is begin to deplete. That's his plan, you guys, you know that? That's what he wants you to do. And more than that, it's not that they're just deflated. Discouragement begins to convince them that not only should they not go into Canaan, but that they should actually go back to Egypt. They should actually just volunteer back into a life of slavery. And I'm not even joking when I say this. It's, it's like, how, how many times do we read Bible stories and we're like, those dudes are nuts. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you have just traveled 400 years and you're gonna go back? We do this, you guys. We do this. How many times have you prayed for a miracle God's been faithful. And then, oh, we got a hard day and we're wishing away the thing that we prayed for years ago. We do it all the time. Don't you wish yourself back to Egypt. God's going to see you through this season. And even though they hear discouragement, God's watching. You can just hear it in their voices in Numbers 14, verses 2 to 4. If only we had died in Egypt or or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children, they'll be taken, plunder. Like they're praying things into existence that haven't even happened yet. They're they're already assuming the worst. Oh, I'm sure we don't do this, do we? Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should just choose a leader and go back to Egypt. How many times do we do this? You guys, they're there. They're on the border. They can see it. Don't you let that difficulty go in a magnifying glass. God's going to see you through because you know why? His promises. We've got a a word. We've got a load of promises that will not return void. But if you listen to discouragement, it's going to tell you, you can't do it. You better go back. Somebody needs to hear this today. God sees you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's gotten you too far to forsake you, take courage. And let me tell you something, Satan is smart. He is smart, you guys, you know why? Because in Exodus, when these dudes are in slavery, the Bible literally says, when Moses goes and says, guys, God has spoken, he's getting us out of here. Look, look, I'm gonna read it word for word. The Bible literally, literally says in chapter six in Exodus, when Moses reported this, the Israelites did not listen to him because of their discouragement. I'm sorry, we're discouraged at the the border of Canaan, and we're going to go back over here. I'm sorry, where was that going to get you? Back into discouragement? Satan's smart. It's a cycle. Don't stand and fall in the midst of his schemes. You have got to remain strong, and remember the promises of God. I love this quote, unbelief overlooks the promise and power of God. It magnifies every danger and difficulty, and it fills the heart with discouragement. Justly are the Israelites left to this temptation for putting confidence in the judgment of men when they had the word of God to trust into. Hmm, How many times do we do this? And my mathematicians in the room, you may be thinking, well, Britt, you said there was 10 dudes. Eight of them said bad stuff, discouragement. What about the other two? Oh, they spoke life. They spoke life. Their names were Caleb and Joshua. And, and it says in Numbers, chapter 1330, then Caleb silence the people before Moses and God. Could you imagine these eight men are going to town, discouragement, party pooper vibe, like whole, whole like crowd is just like, you've got to be kidding me, we can't do this, we got to go back. My man Caleb is like, uh-uh, y'all need to hush. You, you need to get yourselves put back together. Here's what he says. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, the encouragement. It's reminding him of them of the promise that God has made to them. You know there was a promise of God, otherwise why in the world did they walk for 400 years? They know it was there. They know he spoke this promise, but discouragement wants us to forget about it. Chapter 14, 7 through 9 says, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good, Caleb says. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into a land, the land of flowing of milk and honey, and he will give it to us. He's not saying maybe. My man is like, guys, It's happening. Only do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You gotta keep trusting. You gotta keep going. Trust in his promises. Don't you go back to Egypt today. I am telling you, you don't do it. At the end of that story, just to wrap that part up, they listened to the eight. Eight men changed a whole generation. You know what happened? Discouragement might delay the promise of God, but it's not gonna deny it. It's not gonna destruct it, because every man and woman who were grumbling and discouraged in that moment, God delayed them going in for 40 years and every one of them died out. Caleb and Joshua, they lived, and they took the the, the young children when they grew up, that's the generation that got to go through. Because God said, you're not gonna take away my promises, but if you see difficulty like that, if you forget my promises, see, discouragement is dangerous. It can ruin everything. It's time we say, not today, Satan, come on. Okay, just making sure you're still awake. Here we go. And we fully gotta trust in a God who sees us, you guys. He sees us and he's going to walk you through this season. Deuteronomy 31, seven. it says this, be strong, take courage. You will enter the land with this people, this land that God promised their ancestors that he would give them. You will make them proud possessors of it. Cling to this right here. God is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Don't be intimidated. Don't worry. Which voice are you gonna listen to today? The eight or the two? Discouragement or encouragement? Number two, here we go. Head-on truth about discouragement is this. Discouragement causes doubt, but encouragement yields confidence. You know, I think that Satan sits back and and he probably says, hmm, if I can just get them questioning what they knew was already true, if I can just get a little ounce of doubt in there, I've got them. You guys ever watch that show back in the day, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?, you ever saw that? You know, you know the person is like going for the dollar, have whatever. You know, fifty thousand, whatever it is. They give their answer. They're like B. What does that dude say back to them? Is that your is that your final answer? I used to do that to my third and fourth graders when I was a teacher, and now I feel kind of bad about it since I'm preaching about Satan questioning. Because here's the thing: <laughs> here's the thing. They could be so sure of their answer, and the minute they say, "Is that your final answer?" Mm-hmm. Well, I thought so. Maybe, maybe I should change it to C, you know? Doubt begins to creep in. The Israelites, guys, they knew, they knew God promised them that land, that there was no question until discouragement came and it brought a little, just enough doubt to mess up the plan. See, there's there's a guy in the New Testament named John the Baptist, one of the greatest men to ever live. He was a prophet. And one of his, basically his assignment was to just prepare the way for the Messiah. Jesus was coming. And in John 1, he's so confident. He is so sure that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You guys, he even gets to baptize Jesus himself. And in John 1, I'll paraphrase, it says that John told everyone, He is the one coming after me. I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world... I have seen and I testify that He is the Son of God. He's so sure that's the Son of God. But then life happens. Sound familiar? Man, I know God's called me here. I know this is going to happen here. I know what I'm supposed to do. And then life happens. Hmm. And John finds himself in a season of prison. He is literally in jail. Discouragement creeps in. Oh, man, he's been used to change lives. He has impacted so many people by his ministry. But he sits in a jail cell, and he calls the disciples, and he says, Hey, i got a question. I want you to go back, and I want you to go out there, and I want you to ask Jesus. Are you the one who who was to come? Or should I be expecting somebody else? What? This is the same guy who baptized you. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, John? Why are you questioning? You told us he was the Messiah. You knew, you've told the whole town. But just a little bit of doubt can creep in there. Satan likes to get us to question things that we knew was true. But look how good Jesus is. See, at this time that John is sitting in this prison, Jesus is out, miracles are happening. And the disciples come to Jesus and, of course, they report back, hey, John wants us to ask you, like, should we be expecting somebody else? He looks them in the face in Matthew eleven four, and he says, go back and you report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. You go back and you tell John what I said. You go back and you tell John what you're seeing and hearing out here. Uh-uh, he can't be doing that. And Jesus feels that John is so discouraged. He he sees it, he feels it. And I just wonder in this moment, like, wherever Jesus was doing miracles, could John hear him? You know, I just imagine like the stone prison, like the little hole cut out before the window. Could John hear Jesus saying it himself? Did he really need the disciples to go back and report? Or could John, was he an ear, like an ear shot away? You know, I wonder all these things. But Jesus says, you go back and you tell him. And that was to give John confidence in what he already knew. But Jesus does so much more, you guys. First of all, he sees you just like John. You're discouraged today, you feel defeated today. You walked in here with doubt, like I don't know how I'm gonna make it. He sees you and he speaks. I am with you, I will never forsake you. But beyond that, you know what he's doing up there? He's cheering us on and he turns to the crowd. The disciples go back and tell John and Jesus turns. You know what he does? He begins to brag on John to everybody. He begins to be John's biggest cheerleader. And that's what he does for us when we're discouraged. He is cheering us on. And in Matthew 11:11, he turns to the multitudes. I wonder, could John hear him? We'll never know, right? But he says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not been anyone greater than John the Baptist. And he begins to cheer his son on. You hold on in there. You be encouraged in there. You know what's going on out here. You know what is to be true, John. He's cheering us on, you guys. And you know what I love about Jesus? We get to doubt. We get to question. He relates to us in that. And he doesn't discount us or cancel us. You know what he does? Jesus encourages the discouraged because encouragement brings confidence to our heart. It reminds us that we can make it. And you know who hates that? Satan. He doesn't want us confident in anything of the Lord. He wants us to question everything. And we were brought back to the scripture on Wednesday in our sisterhood Bible study. We were talking about the life of Jesus and all the things. And we were brought back to the very common story of Adam and Eve in Genesis. Most of us, even if we're not raised in church, have heard these guys' names before. And I never realized, did you realize that in the garden when Eve is walking around, you know, what should I do? You all know she's about to eat the fruit. We're going to hate Eve, right? It's about to go down. But I, I guess I never, because you read the story so many times, you read it so fast, I never really focused on what Satan actually says in that moment that he tempts her, do you know he doesn't say, hey girl, go eat the fruit. He doesn't actually even speak to her in a statement at all. He asked Eve a question, just like a scheme, just like a tactic that he would use. And he says this, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, Satan didn't ask this because he really didn't know the answer just wanted to get enough doubt in there so that she could say, hmm, wow, maybe I should go check it out. And here's the thing, Satan likes to use questions for confusion. But when Jesus questions in a lot of his parables, he uses his questions for confirmation. And let me tell you something, there's a big difference because our God is not the author of confusion. That is not what he wants for your life. But just enough doubt, just enough discouragement, and that's where we'll find ourselves. I love, the, I love the quote from Pastor Jensen Franklin. He says this, Discouragement takes over when we cannot understand the way, the weight, and the why of God. The way. God, this is not how I imagined this going. This was not the way that I planned it. God, are, are you actually even there? I never thought it would go this way. The wait. I think sometimes the wait is the hardest part. Been praying for something. Have you been praying for something for like eight years? 80 years, 18 years, and you're like, hello God, I can't wait anymore. Can you imagine the journey to Canaan, 430 years? It's like, God, are you, are you even still there? Did you forget about me? I'm trying so hard, but I don't know if I can wait anymore. This has taken longer than I thought. What about the why? Hmm. Why me, God? Why is this happening to me? Why my daughter? Why my dad? Why why my health report? Why my job? Why us? Why them and not me? Why me and not them? See, questioning is his tactic. And when, when we can start questioning, when he can just get us to start questioning, Everything can go downhill from there. Just enough doubt. And I want to encourage you today, stop the questions. Focus on the promises. That's where you're going to find the confidence. And I just want to read some scripture over you. Soak it in. In Isaiah, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Be encouraged, you guys. His word says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take courage. I have overcome the world. I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your understanding and lean not. Trust Him with all of your heart. It's not about what we can understand. In all of your ways, submit to Him and He will keep your paths straight. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Hmm. So the head-on truths. Discouragement wants you to see the difficulty. And discouragement wants you to begin doubting. Just enough so that you'll quit. And that's our third head-on truth today. The goal of discouragement is defeat, while encouragement screams, Don't give up. I love the word of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the Bible lists 28 seasons that we will probably go through from some time or another. You know, season to be silent, season to speak, season to plant, season to uproot, season to mourn, season to dance. I could go on and on, but you know what it doesn't say? There's a season to quit, but discouragement would like you to think otherwise. Don't fall into the trap. You know, there, there's a guy named Job in the Old Testament. Do you guys realize in one day, he lost all of his possessions, all of his livestock, and all 10 of his kids in one day. And the Bible, it, it lists all sorts of questions that he was asking God. God, what are you doing to me? Why is this happening to me? Are you even up there? Could you imagine in one day? It's almost enough to even imagine. But he stayed faithful, and God blessed him a double portion. In the New Testament, Paul, oh, he went through some discouraging seasons. That dude was beaten, imprisoned, pelted with stones. He was shipwrecked three times, and he was flogged to almost death multiple times. But he pushed through, you guys he knew God is faithful. He's going to see me through this. And he is one of the most influential kingdom builders of the Christian church. Stay steady. God's going to see you through. James 1.12 reminds us, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Don't you give up. I think sometimes our greatest pain is the catalyst to our greatest gain. Hang in there. If we can trust a toy company to get every correct piece of the puzzle into the correct box, surely we can trust the creator of the universe to see us through. Think about how far you've come. Can I encourage you today? Don't give up. I just want to pause normally in the middle of the chat that we're having. We don't always do this, but I just feel in this room, can I just pray for you for a second? If you feel comfortable, would you just hold your hands out like this? And I think sometimes it's like, what are we doing? We're doing weird stuff in church. No. This is a universal sign of I surrender. And today I just want to pray over you and and just surrender with you. As Some of you, I think, walked in here really defeated, really depleted. Some of you walked in here with questions in the back of your head that people around you may not even know about. Things that you're wrestling with. And I just want to pray really quick before I move on. God, I pray that you would just meet us here. For those watching at home, I pray that you would meet them there. And I rebuke the spirit of discouragement right now over every ear that is listening. Difficulty, doubt, defeat. God, I pray against strongholds. I pray against suicidal thoughts. I pray against depression, anxiety, and guilt. I pray where we see difficulty, God, you'd remind us of your promises. Where we feel doubt, God, that you would bring us back to full confidence. And when we feel defeated, God, that you would give us strength to hold on and not give up. In our relationships, our health, our families, our jobs, our lives, Lord. Please speak new zeal, new faith, new hope. God, new provision, new inspiration, new passion and new motivation over it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He's so good, you guys. So what do we got here?
1: We've got a diagnosis,
0: we've got some symptoms, but I'm gonna let you take home a little prescription. Some practical things. Britt, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Yes, you are. Four treatments for discouragement. The first one is this, armor up. Armor up. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally be strong in the Lord. And his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, we've talked about his schemes today. Not today, Satan. But you've got to armor up if you're going to be ready for the battle. Verse 14 on down it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. See, God's word, it keeps us focused and it keeps us confident in his promises. This is not just a book for a pep talk on a rainy day. This is a weapon. This is a weapon. I love Mark Batterson in his book, Win the Day. He says, scripture is not just our script, it's our script cure. Psalms tells us, for I have hidden these words in my heart. You guys, you gotta be ready to fire back in seasons like this. What is hiding in your heart? Is it stuff that's gonna sustain you? Or is it stuff that we go through and fill it with just fillers? That, that those things aren't gonna be showing up when you gotta fire back. You gotta take it in. You gotta soak it up. You've gotta read it. This is spiritual bread for our soul. And you're wondering why you're having a hard time. Listen, soak it up. This is what should be in the arsenal. And you know what, it's not just for us either. It's for our children. We gotta show our babies how to armor up. Our kids these days, they're facing stuff that I could never had imagined. But we gotta show them. We gotta show them how to hide this in their hearts. We gotta show them how to armor up, talk to them about the word share Bible stories in the car, talk to them about how good God is, how faithful that he is. I was just reading this week, the CDC came out with a, with a study of like thousands of people. And One in every four young person under the age of 18 confessed that they had suicidal thoughts in the last year. We gotta arm her up. And we gotta teach our babies how to do it too because they're going through discouraging seasons just like we do. It's a weapon. Number two, we gotta encourage the discouraged, just like Jesus. You know, when I was writing this message, I was thinking about a dear friend who who I knew in Florida when we lived there. I don't know that I ever saw her without a smile on her face. She's so bubbly. She's full of joy all the time and I say it present tense because she's still the same way. You'd never know that she went through bout after bout of breast cancer. You would never know that she went through abuse and divorce or that she had to look at her two kids one day and tell them that their daddy took his own life. You would never know by her smile today that her cancer's back and it's spread. You'd never know because she's chosen to smile through it. She's chosen to encourage the discouraged even if that is her. Cuz let me tell you something, smiling, encouraging somebody else, that takes it takes action. And you know what it does? It's the medicine to her spirit. It is the very medicine that's going to cure her discouragement. Some of you guys, you got to smile. Okay, stand back and take the mask down and smile. Some of us just gotta smile today. We gotta encourage somebody. Some of us need to, we need to send the text message. We need to pick up the phone call and encourage somebody. Hey, you are doing a good job. God does see you. I can't imagine what you're going through, but hey, I want you to know you're not forgotten. I want you to know he's gonna see you through this. Number three, you gotta give yourself a break. Oh, take a load off. I love when Rick Warren says, He says, the more self-centered that you are, the more discouraged that you'll be. You know why? Because you you teach yourself, you convince yourself that it's all about you, that you're the one causing it, that you're the one bringing it on, that you're the one who could prevent it. No, get the pressure off of yourself. This is kind of funny, but this morning, I'm not gonna lie, I was getting dressed for church. Josh judged me. As I put on sandals, he's like, you know it's gonna be cold today. And I thought to myself in this moment, you know what? I think if I dress like this, I could single-handedly bring spring to the whole earth. (laughs) Because I'm ready for it, people. I got the pedicure, the little 70-degree dealio last week. I don't know what's going on today. But I'm like, I'm I'm wearing sandals. Or what about the time? Maybe it's just my family, because we're crazy. Clemson lost the game, and I thought to myself, It's because I didn't change my shirt at halftime. It's it's because we did not pivot 90 degrees and switch chairs after each quarter. This is completely our fault. Sometimes you gotta give yourself a break. We think, oh, if I would have just only fill in the blank, I would have prevented that from happening. If I would have just only fill in the blank, you didn't cause it, but you can control how long you stay here. You can control if it's gonna take over your life or if you're gonna leave determined today and not defeated, amen? Give yourself a break. Number four is the last thing today. Can't do life alone. Some of us, we've gone into isolation. Discouragement's gotten the best of us. It loves islands. Oh yeah, get on an island by yourself, that's awesome. No, God made us to be with people We need community, we need each other. Some of us need to get reconnected with some friends or you need to make some new ones, get in a small group. Some of us need to go talk to somebody. Go get some counseling, get some help. Don't be embarrassed about it. Let me tell you something, that is way better than you being defeated in a season of discouragement. I wanna encourage you today. Alone is a dangerous place to be. But more than just friends, we need a savior. We're not meant to do this thing alone. Life. Mm-mm. You know, Jesus He's God. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have done any He could have gone any way or method that he wanted. But you know what he did? He came in human flesh as a baby to this earth to walk the streets we walk. He grew up as a baby, a young boy, you imagine that? We don't think about that a lot. A teenager into a man. And he came and he lived through every season of pain and despair and discouragement that we do. He wanted to come and walk in our shoes to see what it was like. He gets it. And I think sometimes Satan wants to whisper in our ear, that God thing that's not real or maybe instead he whispers to you you've done too much you've gone too far he ain't gonna love you that's not a question today he loves you he is in pursuit of you the question is will you let him love you will you let him so what's the point the point is this I could give you four bajillion treatments of discouragement but only one is the true cure and that's Jesus, that's doing life with a Savior. And you, you may have questions and you may wanna argue about that all day, but let me tell you something. He's the reason why I went through family tragedy. He is the reason why I have gone through life transitions where I had no idea what was gonna come through the next door. He's the reason why we made it through miscarriage and we decided to go ahead and try again. do to don't argue about life change he's the real deal and he wants to do the same for you all over this place before we go can I just get you to bow your heads close your eyes if you're at home listening just bow your head wherever you are and I think if we passed a mic around we could hear discouraging reports all day situations that we find ourselves in whether it's physical health mental health job that we don't really know. Maybe it's not a job at all. Maybe we need one. Discouraging in your marriage or relationship problems, infertility. Maybe it's addiction that you just cannot beat. Maybe it's life transition, moving from one place to another. It's just all really discouraging. Here's what I know. Whatever your story is, it needs a savior. He's the cure. I think some of you in this room today, for the first time, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, to let him be the Lord of your life maybe if you're watching at home you've done the church thing you know about God but if you're being honest with yourself you've never had a true relationship he's never walked with you from morning till night he's never been that friend sticking closer to the brother in your mind you've never had a relationship and for others I think you probably have but you've gotten away the season of life you've just kind of gotten off the path And and today you need to rededicate your life. It's time that you come home. And, And if that's you, God's tugging at your heart. Can I just encourage you? He wants to do life with you. He wants you to come back home. He wants you to make that decision. Nobody's looking around. Will you just lift your hand so I know who I'm talking to? He doesn't want you to do it alone. Be encouraged today. Thank you. Thank you. Be encouraged today loves you. He just wants to do life with you. Can we all over this place and at home, can you guys just repeat this prayer after me? Jesus, I need you. Come into my life today. I can't do it alone. Be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. we just celebrate today?